Shri Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai, Srimad Bhagavad Gita ki jai, Gopremanande. Chapter 12, text 2. Shri Bhagavan Uvacha. Maya Vesha Mano Jemam Nitya Yukta Upasate Shadhaya Prayopetas Teme Yukta Tamamataha. So here, Sri Bhagavan Sri Krishna answers Arjuna's question, which we discussed at some length yesterday, last night, that the chapter opens with. This is the twelfth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, the last of the six middle chapters. Bhagavad Gita has eighteen chapters, so six, six and six are the three divisions. And the central six chapters, uh, as I mentioned deal with the theology of the Gita and and with bhakti. We want to say that really the whole text is about bhakti. This is the center of the text and it's uh, stressed there and different types of bhakti are also mentioned. Uh, the question asked by Arjun here at the beginning of the twelfth chapter, at the beginning of the end of the middle six chapters, is a question about bhakti as a means to approach the Absolute in relation to jnana as a means to approach the Absolute Truth. And from the answer here, beginning with, with, with today's verse, we can understand that not only is bhakti a more desirable path, but within that also there is a type of bhakti that is most desirable. Let us call it ananya bhakti or uttam bhakti. This is what is implied here. After all, in these middle six chapters, as I mentioned, different types of bhakti have been discussed, along with Analoid bhakti or uttam bhakti, which is the term that Rupa Goswami uses to define bhakti in his treatise Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the kind of bhakti that we are embracing under the influence of. Um, along with uttam bhakti, there is bhakti mixed with gyan, gyan mishra bhakti, bhakti mixed with karma, karma mishra bhakti, bhakti mixed with yoga, yoga mishra bhakti. Hmm? Uh, so different to name a few different types of bhakti. And they are spoken about, we really learning from this chapter, which is again the culmination of these six chapters about bhakti, spoken about for the purpose of indirectly shedding light on the glory of uttam bhakti. And of course, uttam bhakti is directly spoken about and its virtues are praised uh, by Krishna repeatedly throughout these middle six chapters. So Arjuna wants to know here at the onset of this chapter what uh, what's best, jnana or bhakti, but he also wants to know uh, amongst different types of bhakti that you mentioned, um, what is best. And therefore in yesterday's discussion we did pay some attention and that relative to the fact perhaps that some guests were here less informed um, about our, our tradition. Um, we paid some attention to two types of bhakti, general types of bhakti. Bhakti that culminates in a majestic love and 
bhakti that culminates in intimate love. Leelas of majesty, leelas of intimacy is also discussed in the middle six chapters. But the very terms that Arjun uses, the words that he uses in asking his question, which is verse 1, evam satata yuktaye bhaktastam paryupasate. Evam satata yukta bhaktastam paryupasate. These are reminiscent of a number of verses in the middle six chapters that speak about uttam bhakti, ananya bhakti. And so also here Krishna replies using words that indicate that kind of uttam bhakti. When he says, mayi avesha mano ye mam nityukta upasate. So the idea here is that as we reach to the end of the middle six chapters about bhakti, ananya bhakti, uttam bhakti, is glorified as the best means for approaching the absolute. And best, as I said yesterday, in a number of ways. Shankar has to admit that it's best in terms of ease of approach, hmm? more facile, and for more facile people, <laughs> he would think more simple people who need a simple approach. We would disagree with him in that, that that approaching the absolute is not a simple thing, no matter how you go about it. It's, a, it's the ultimate journey, if you will, and we could use reasonably all the help that we can get. If one road is shorter, faster, easier, it would be wise to take that path. Hmm. Um, he likes to think it's easier for people who can't, aren't intellectually astute enough to grasp the idea of an impersonal absolute and so forth. Of course, Krishna's going to talk about the difficulties involved in that and so forth. Hmm? Um, but he makes it clear that, that, in, that bhakti is the best path, and we say at least in terms of approach, we, we readily agree, it is a very user-friendly approach comparatively to, uh, to Gyanmarg. And that comes out to some extent here in, in, in this verse. But it's also a superior path in terms of the um, ontological status that it affords one. Hmm? Union with Bhagwan, and in this case, Uttam Bhakti here, in the full sense of the term, um, union with Bhagawan in love and intimacy in the Brajalila. Indeed, she pad. Uh, Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur, in his comments on this, are, on this verse, are very brief, but he mentions, uh, refers to Krishna in his commentary as Sham Sundar. So Sham Sundar is a Brajlila name, of course. Yam Shama Sundaram Achintibuna Sarupam Premanjana Charita Bhakti Bilochanena. In describing the Goloka, hmm, Brahma invokes this, uh, this, this word and uh, this name, I should say. Hmm. And how it can bring premanjana, bring the salve of love onto one's eyes, and so on and so forth. So, anyway, it's a very um, Brajlila name. It's not a Dwarka-lila name, a Mathura name. It's certainly not a Vaikuntha name. Hmm? Uh, it refers to Krishna. So, he therefore implies as well, as I'm um, making the point, that this bhakti that is best, the best approach, is uttam bhakti aimed at love and intimacy. Hmm? 
there can also be uttam bhakti aimed at love in 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 um, majesty or you know, in reverence, but as we compared the two yesterday, it was very clear for any common person with human experience about the nature of, of, of love in this world, that love and intimacy trumps love in majesty in terms of a union, hmm? in terms of a unity between object of love and, 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 and lover hmm? and the love that connects them. Hmm? So this is the, what, uh, the virtues of this kind of bhakti are glorified here. And, of course, as I mentioned last night, as we enter into the middle six chapters, at the very end, the very last verse of the first six chapters, bhakti is prominently introduced by way of saying it is yuktatama, the best means for connecting, and then launches into the discourse, as I say, on bhakti. And really that discourse is about uttam bhakti, but speaking about other kinds of bhakti as well, so as to indirectly uh, showcase the glory of uttam bhakti. What is the limits of bhakti mixed with with yoga uh, in terms of its uh, ease of approach, in terms of its uh, attainment, the sadhya that can, one can arrive at by such, such sadhana and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so here he he, he makes uh, some very very nice points. He says, "Mai avishmano yemam nityukta upasate." Those who are eternally united with me in 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 worship and uh, uh, with their minds absorbed in me, hmm? and um, and in a significant here, possessed of parashradhaya, hmm? he says, shraddha parayopetas, uh, transcendental faith. This is um, an important term, and um, of course we know from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, that treatise on Uttam Bhakti, that such faith is the ticket, if you will, to tread on the path of Bhakti, to pursue the path of Bhakti. Hmm? And sometimes it's uh, expressed such that such as to emphasize the ease and the, the, the gracious and generous nature of bhakti, simply by faith alone hmm? in the efficacy of bhakti, in the efficacy of nam, the principal practice in, in Bhutan bhakti as given to us by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? One is eligible to tread the path. Hmm? The implication is that while faith is the active ingredient in all forward movement, in all movement, that is progressive. Faith, uh, as opposed to knowledge, uh, carries with it a sense of of movement, of commitment, and a sense of more comp- uh, a more comprehensive knowing that's arrived at by acting in terms of theoretical knowledge, whereas reason, by contrast is a way of knowing or apprehending or understanding an issue, hmm? the test or the measure of one's understanding is, uh, is, um, is, is demonstrated by 
how one acts. Um, so faith is 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 implies movement. Uh, in the Gita elsewhere later on, there's a chapter about faith, divisions of faith. Of course, it speaks about divisions of faith within the modes of nature. The Bhagavatam also speaks about modes of uh, faith that correspond with the gunas, but it as well speaks about a faith that transcends the gunas. Uh, uh, and that is, Krishna says, faith in me. That is, tr- that is transcendental. Faith in the atma, that is sattvic, hmm? by comparison. In Gyanmark, there is faith in atma, hmm? largely. And some overriding sense of identity between Atma and Brahman. Hmm? And there are a lot of different nuances to that, of course, some of which we we feel uh, if they are part of the approach will not afford one the the attainment of the ideal, for example, the Mayavad idea, hmm? which is has some animosity towards bhakti or lack of lack of faith in bhakti by its very nature or the eternality of he whom faith in is, results in transcendental faith. Hmm. Uh, or uh, something coming from that side to this side, something spiritual that is the, it is the vehicle that takes us there. Hmm. Sattva is, uh, of course, jnana is sattvic. Jnana, hmm. as a means, is something that is to be retired. Jnana, vidya and avidya, both, are part of this world. This is a very interesting point. So a path that is based on knowledge is a path that tries to go to the other side, hmm, beyond the gunas, on the strength of the gunas, hmm, on the strength of sattva. Hmm. This is a, a weak, by, by, by comparison to a path that relies on something from the other side, hmm, grace that takes us to that, uh, a spiritual means to a spiritual ends. In other words, hmm. so uh, so we say faith alone, which implies that faith is also required to do anything. As I'm saying, it's the, it's what animates us when we have faith, and then we can go forward. Uh, many times, said Shunamarsha's adage is appropriate in this context. Suspicion leads to suspension. So, uh, conversely, faith is not an unknowingness. As people sometimes think of it a lack of reasoning, hmm? but in the full sense of the term, it's, it, it, it picks up where reasoning leaves off, and reasoning is only as beautiful as it assists faith, hmm? Hmm. not as a not as a not as a sabotager of of faith. Hmm? Um, that is the idea of using reason in relation to revelation, in relation to what comes from the other side from the upper world, so to speak, using reason to, to think about the implications of that and how to pursue it and, and, and so forth. Hmm? So reason has its place in its, in its beautiful place as an aspect of faith. After all, as I'm saying, by reason we can apprehend a subject, but we don't have to necessarily be committed to it or act on it. You could say, for example, in the 1960s that you didn't believe in... Um, racial inequality, but unless you got active and did something about it, um, the measure of your understanding of the issue 
was in question in the, in the mind, for example, of one of the racial reformers, famous racial reformer Martin Luther King, who said once that um, uh, um, our real um, enemies are not the people who are against us, but the people who are for us, but say, this is not the right time. We agree with you, but, but let's not do anything about it right now. <laughs> so he, he, he said, no, the, the, the right time, uh, what does he say? Uh, uh, it's, always the right it's always at the right time to do the right thing. It's hmm? a nice saying. So, so faith, as I'm saying, as we understand it, implies some commitment. Commitment means activity. Hmm? in relation to the issue and so forth, rather than fence-sitting and thinking about it and analyzing it and, and so on and so forth. So in this sense, faith animates us. And therefore, to tread a path like Gyan, yoga, even the karma marg, it requires some faith. Otherwise, how can you tread it? But they also require something else. Gyan requires a pure heart and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, so, but bhakti requires only faith. In this way, we say it's easier. It's more. It's more generous. That's true. Hmm? At the same time, that faith, hmm? that the fact that it requires faith alone, also speaks about the power of bhakti. Hmm? That faith, after all, is coming from the other side. Hmm? So it's really not a small thing. It comes from that side to this side. It descends. Where do we get faith? Shadavan Janohe, Shadavan Janohe. From those persons who have faith, the bearers of that. It's contagious. We get that. It comes through the Guru Parampara. Pujapat Sridhar poetically described faith as the halo of Sri Radhika, which is illumines. It sheds light. Devasya, Bhargo Devasya, Dhimahi. Bhargo Devasya, he who is Deva, playful God. Bhargo means light, who, that, that which sheds light on the playful God. Ujjapat Sridharmarsh in his Gita comment, uh, Gayatri commentary identified that Bhargo with uh, Radhika. So faith is, uh, is the path, so to speak. Pujapat Sridharmarsh described the spiritual world as planets of faith. Hmm? So faith is a knowing, the idea is, is a comprehensive knowing hmm? that, is, um, that is part and parcel of, of bhakti, a means of knowing that one could not, uh, uh, knowing uh, that other means would, would not afford one. Hmm? And, and it's, a, it's a means that comes from that side to this side. It's awakened within us through good association. Hmm? So he's, he's speaking about that path here. He says that, that uh, um, the type of people who tread the path that is the best are possessed of transcendental faith, supreme faith, not faith in Atma. Hmm? That is a Ganmark. That is Sattvic. Hmm? And there's a comparison here between the two. What is better, the Ganmark? or the bhakti bark is arguably what's being discussed. Meditation on and un- union with and worship of 
uh, you, as the as I see you before me, you have to understand now, Krishna is looking at Arjuna, this is the beginning of the 12th chapter, standing before him on the, on the chariot with two hands, and he just saw him with a thousand million hands and a thousand heads and a very kind of universal, well, it's called a virata rupa, universal form, and all-encompassing, less, as I said the other night when we were speaking from the Gita 13th chapter, less specific form. Mm-hmm. It, it's, that takes us in the direction of the more abstract avyakta, uh, unmanifest uh, Brahman that he's asking about here. What is, worship of the unmanifest, unnameable, um, unspeakable Brahman, or meditation in love upon on you, which is which is a better approach. So the experience of Arjun in the previous chapter is also kind of fostering this question because that universal form is more abstract, hmm? more difficult to meditate on and to and to, to love, and it's something of course he was not attracted to. Hmm? He was given divine eyes to see it. Why then he was not attracted to it? Divya Chakshu, he was given divine eyes. He said, he was asking, you know, the 10th chapter is there, Krishna's speaking about how he's manifest in powerful, um, how he's present in powerful manifestations of nature, and that those awe-inspiring moments, that those powerful manifestations of nature um, we experience in relation to the ah. Oh, of seeing the, the ocean and uh, you know and the, and the, the Himalayas and uh, um, the banyan tree and, and so forth uh, you know trees I am the banyan waters of water I am the ocean of immovable things I am the Himalayas these cause kind of aha moments of awe and inspiration and, and so forth um, he says I, I'm, I'm all of those all of those things that make you feel that the world that you're small, hmm? and a s- small part of something that's bigger, something that's bigger than you, that you could learn from. Hmm? You could learn from the ocean. You could learn from the Himalayas and the wisdom of the banyan tree that goes up and it goes down too, <laughs> and in all directions and so forth. These, from, from, from nature itself, hmm? it speaks to us about the fact that there, there, there's, there's, there's more... Life, of course, it wants to speak to us about ourselves. We are, in one sense, the more. Hmm? But then there's more to it than that as well, because there's the there's 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 the, there's the source of ourselves, the Godhead, hmm? who's the source of nature, um, as well. But at any rate, in speaking about those things, Arjun wanted to kind of see that practically. How are you gonna kind of get your head around that? You know, you're pretty much saying you're, you know, you're everywhere. You're everything. You're sitting right here. You're, you're you're bigger than that. But so he asked to see that practically. So Krishna manifests this universal form, and he had to give him special eyes to see it. The implication is that not everybody on the battle of Kurukshetra was seeing this extraordinary vision. Arjuna was seeing it, and he was astounded by it. But he didn't like it. So why didn't he like it? One of the reasons that he didn't like it is because. Krishna only gave him the eyes to see it. He didn't give him the mind hmm? to like it. 
This is a nice point. In other words, in bhakti is a cultivation of a certain mindset, a certain attraction to Krishna in a particular particular way and so forth. As bhava takes over the mind, then that that mind is 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 cultivated and shaped and it forms our our swarup and our possibility of participation in the lila it's not the mundane mind it's the mind saturated with bhakti hmm? um, that is cultivated and uh, results in a transcendental form after all this this siddha day is a bhava day, so it has to come from a bhava saturated or arrested mind, so to speak. So he didn't have a mind for it. He didn't have a, fee- you know, a mind, heart idea similar here, a feeling for it. He could see it, just like you could come in and show somebody the deity and they could see it. But they might not be attracted to it. Another person can see the deity and attracted to is attracted to the deity. Why? Because they have the mind to see it also. Hmm? So Arjuna wasn't given the mind. He already had another frame of mind. Hmm? Indeed, he even liked the two-armed form of Krishna more than the four-armed form of Krishna. Hmm? And it is now that form that he's standing before and he likes that. And he wants confirmation that his liking of that form, hmm? his union in love with, with that form in Sakirasa, hmm? that he uh, is animated by, is all, all about, he wants confirmation that this is, uh, this is, uh, I'm not doing something lesser. I'm doing something more, and Krishna readily, readily gives it. Here, of course, the comparison is even more stark. Hmm? That between Brahman and, and, and Krishna himself in a personal form. Both are Krishna, hmm? but different manifestations of Krishna arrived at, realized, experienced by different approaches. Hmm? And so the personal form of Krishna, in Leela, hmm? and the method of um, attaining that, that's just called Uttam Bhakti. This, the virtues of this are being extolled here. Interestingly, in the context of this, in verse 1 and in verse 2 and in verse 3, where these, the question is asked and, and then the question is, 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 is answered one, two, three, four, five or so verses, the first three verses, all of them, the word worship is used. Paripasate, hmm? upasate, uh, and so forth. What is the implication of that? That he wants to know worshippers of you personally, or worshippers of Brahman, which is better? Which type of worship is better? The implication is there's bhakti in each. Hmm? Arjuna's not granting that without bhakti one can attain anything. He's learned that lesson pretty well. Hmm? Without bhakti it's not possible to transcend material existence and have any kind of union with the Absolute. That is why, as I said earlier, there are some types of jnanis who have disrespect for bhakti. They're mentioned in the Bhagavatam. Yenye, Rivindaksha, Vimuktamani, what is that verse? Avibuddha Shuddha. 
Sudaya. Abhindaksha. Vimukta maninas. Abhishuddha Buddha, yeah. Yeah. He says uh, that. How's it, how's it end, though? Yenyeja Vindaksha Vimukta maninas. Dvayashta. Abhishuddha Buddha, yeah. Okay, anyway, he says. They think they're liberated. Hmm? They, their, their intelligence is not pure, and because of their disrespect for bhakti, hmm, they actually fall down. Hmm? Where do they fall down from? Well, they haven't gone too far, so the fall's not too 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 high, because hmm? without respect for bhakti, they cannot achieve their their desired destination. Indeed, the destination that they desire doesn't even exist. Therefore, they can't attain it. They cannot attain a destination that constitutes a, an absolute unity between Atma and Paramatma, between Jiva and Brahman. That is an imaginary idea from the point of view of Bhagavatam and, and, and Gaudiya Sampradaya. And other Vaishnava Sampradayas as well. Hmm? Now that's one type of Gani that, with it, that who we term the Mayavad. Hmm? Hmm? In other words, the, the, the Jiva is an eternal individual atomic particle of consciousness. It can attain Sayuja and merge with Brahman, hmm? but it's not at the extinction of itself. It's not that at the extinction of itself, or it's, let's say it's not, it doesn't constitute a union in which the jiva becomes Brahman, or that it doesn't say to us that the jiva is Brahman, and that the jiva, therefore, as an individual, is only illusory. The individuality of the jiva is not illusory. It's not only a product of upadis or material designations. Hmm? It's not actually Brahman, the absolute. An illusion, an illusion, thinking it's it's an individual. No, it is an individual. So that type of approach, that is really that that deprecates bhakti. We find that unfortunate reality in in some schools, and we you know we exonerate. Shankar himself, who, who, who seems to have some appreciation for bhakti, and, and he leaves a place for that. So, well, there's some place for bhakti. For less intelligent people, they can do bhakti. Um, so I guess he kind of walks a tightrope there in, in, in a sense, but some take it very strongly and uh, are um, um, uh, they, I guess... From the verse we can understand, they deprecate bhakti. They cannot enter there. Hmm? So here, there's some some worship is involved hmm? of Brahman. Worship is not just knowing; hmm? it's active, as I say, with some kind of commitment, service, and so forth. Some element. Hmm? Um, the Gita says, "Brahma Bhuta Prasanatma Naso Chitinakangshiti Samasarveshu Bhuteshu Madbhaktim Labhate Param." So some jnanis, they attain 
Brahmabhuta, and they may do that by integrating sattviki bhakti, and some trace of actual bhakti is in sattviki bhakti, and a little bit sticks and carries them to their destination. Indeed, some of them even, on account of that, go from there, the verse says, to prema bhakti, vishatetaranantaram. So, different types of, of jnanis. The types of jnani that is being discussed here, and the path of jnana that's being discussed here, questioned about and discussed in relation to Uttam Bhakti is a path that actually ends in a glorious um, attainment of, of, of Brahman. Hmm? But Krishna doesn't consider that type of attainment, of him, that aspect of himself, to be as comprehensive of, an, of a union with himself as that which can be afforded by Uttam Bhakti itself. Hmm? Any question? I was just wondering about um, this union with Brahman. Isn't that uh, a way of um, the individual living entity realizing that he is divine and he is part of the divine? Also, at that level, he is connecting with the divine source, mm-hmm. which is all sat, pure existence, and pure awareness and being. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that there's much part there. I think it's more like a not too much. Just recognizing one's nature and uh, wanting to be in that environment. It's recognizing, uh, realizing one's likeness to Brahman. Hmm? It doesn't afford much realization of the of the the uh, difference from Brahman, which is which. Brahman kind of obscures, if you will, whereas Bhagwan, even the Paramatma manifestations of divinity, make that more, more, more evident. The difference, and thus there's scope for, for bhakti. So yes, in Brahman realization unto itself, there's not much bhakti. Indeed, even even in Shantarasa, which is bhakti, hmm? in Gaudi Sampradaya, we, we don't make much of that. Hmm. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said to come has come come to give the four babas of Braj, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, and Madhurya. Not Shanta is conspicuous by its absence. Prabhupada had, dis- had showed a distinct kind of aversion to Shanta Rasa. Hmm. It's kind of a transcendental fence sitting, if you will. If if reason and knowing is fence sitting in relation to animated life of faith that involves commitment and 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 getting off the fence and doing something and ser- serving and so forth then even shantarasa what to speak of brahman realization which is far far below shantarasa is kind of a non-committal you know kind of <laughs> comparatively it's beautiful it's it's it, and glorious in a, in a, in a broader sense, but by way of comparison, the Godias are not very fond of that um, idea. Merely sitting and, um, I would say, whatever, participating in a beatific vision of the Absolute, um, kind of a, a meditative posture in Vaikuntha, it's possible. Um, what to speak of, as I say, below that idea, uh, Sayuja, 
from the Gaudi perspective of of of, of um, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami. So you just outside of Vaikuntha. Hmm? Um, it's spiritual, hmm? but um, the Shakti is not the the, the, the Shakti is not manifest there in a way that that is significant. Therefore, it's still. Hmm? Srupa Shakti is bhakti, so it's anim- animating. Hmm? Um, Brahman, that's what we find in, in, in Bhagwan, an animated Brahman. Brahman is everywhere, but still mo- moving, as I often say. So in that um, identification with Brahman, it's, it's divine, you're right, yes. It's, it's a understanding the, what we have in common with Brahman, but the, but the difference is not manifest. And there's no action there, there's no activity there. Hmm? There's no, there's no service. So it's a kind of a, you know, it's a kind of a serving to rest. In other words, we'll do some worship so that we can rest, and we won't have to worship either. I mean, it's not a conscious part of the sadhana like that, but but comparatively, that's what it constitutes. And so, um, when we look in contrast to the brajalila, it is so much of an active environment that Krishna is up 24-7 practically. Hmm? By the force of bhakti, you know, he, he can't even stay, sleep at night. Hmm? This is what the implication is. You know, I've said before, you know, Mahavishnu is you know, mostly sleeping and kind of bored with the whole affair and becomes many and you know, it doesn't work out <laughs> and so forth. Uh, you know, he's characterized by yoga nidra. Krishna is not characterized by, by yoga nidra. So, but, so what to speak of Brahman then? I mean, it's like more than a sleep, so to speak. Uh, um, so as much as sleep implies inactivity, Brahman is more inactive than yoga, than yoga nidram, if you will. Hmm? So, you know, very different ends of the theistic um, uh, spectrum of realizations and so forth. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, Gaudi Vaishnava, of course, is very much preoccupied with these divisions, differences. Uh, it's a unity and difference kind of ideology, but it emphasizes the difference within transcendence. There are different possibilities. They're all virtuous in, in, their, in their own sense and, and, and glorious, but still... You know, love is kind of like that. You know, there's there's a bias to love. Ultimately, here it's a healthy bias because it's it doesn't include the the biases based on perception of the senses and the mind and so forth, which are false false biases. Another question? Yes. Congressman, I'm thinking of the universal form. Good luck. No, I'm not <laughs> the description. I I think about the part where. Um, Arjun sees like countless soldiers and stuff being drawn into the mouths, and I'm wondering is there some connection to that with the personalism, or? Um, well, to that form, you know, because it's not the personal Krishna that this, the souls are just like being swallowed in, swallowed in, chewed up. Uh, it's. Uh, well, it's a less personal form, yeah, so you know what kind of a relationship can you have with the, with the universal form? Therefore, I say that there is some similarity 
it is that vision and that experience is somewhat fostering this question here that this chapter begins with in that sense. Yes. Well, uh, time is mentioned there. Time I am. Time is impersonal also. Yes, devouring everything. Time I am. What does he say? Destroyer of the world. Destroyer of the worlds. Devouring everything. Yeah. We, we, we look at, you know, Sayuja Mel- uh, liberation as a kind of self-destruction. Hmm? Because what is this? What is the self? With if it's not animate, if it's if it's still alone, um, uh, therefore that 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 Sayuja is not looked uh, fondly upon by the by the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. What prospect is there for life? Life being service. That's the the Dharma of the Jiva. It's very nature to serve. We've been in a situation where there's no service opportunity. We've almost destroyed the nature of the jiva. It's so suppressed. You, you better better be in the material world, and that, that's the that that's very heavy statement, obviously. But it's a statement the Gaudiyas make repeatedly. Hmm? Merging with Brahman, you'd be better off in the material world. At least there are devotees that you could come in contact with and have some prospect. Of course, there's some argument that sometimes there's uh, uh, souls can be liberated from. From liberated from liberation, liberated from Brahman, and go to Vaikuntha, but it's largely by association, and there's not much. There's nobody walking around up there in Brahman <laughs> to associate with. So it really refers to the Jivan Muktas for the most part, who are in this world, and at the last stage of liberation, they might have good sadhusanga and so forth. And it's that core situation from which they fall in the verse earlier that I. I cited and can't go the last leg uh, to enter into their ideal because their ideal isn't is imaginary. Hmm? Yes. Uh, the fledgling Sadika, who only he wants to make you know he wants to have some assurance that the impressions that uh, you know the sort of the impressions of samskara coming from this life where there's this highest prospect being offered uh, will endure. Uh, is there any assurance that there will be some endurance of the impression uh, if there's not success in this life? Sure. I mean, in the, in the eighth chapter it said that... that Sanskar means impressions, means ways of thinking and so forth, and the tendencies to act and so forth. And yam yam vyapis maram bhavam tadde antekalevaram tam tam bhavita. Bhava means existence, hmm? also. So we're cultivating a certain type of existence, and we're getting certain impressions, and we're acting in terms of those impressions and so forth. And Gita says that that is what, what determines your next life. Hmm? So we're cultivating a mentality. We have certain disposition that, that we are we are fostering, and uh, that bhakti is is influencing us, influencing us in a certain way, and so forth. That will that is determining our future. Hmm? Our present influences are determining our future. 
So the more those influences are are influences from Uttam Bhakti, why why even materially speaking, what your influences will are in this life will endure and carry on. You know, we say you don't take anything with you, but you really do. <laughs> you take quite a bit with you. You take all your attachments with you, and you end up with them in the next life, uh, you know, maybe in a different shape and form and so forth, but, you you, you know, you could be born in the same house, you know. Uh, you love a house so much, you don't want to leave it, and you fight with the bank until the end, and then you die, and end up as a tree embracing the house. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> Um, so, even materially, our influences carry over. What speak of influences of bhakti, bhakti sangskar? Hmm? Well, the reason I asked this earlier in your lecture, you mentioned that at the stage of Bob, then the mind is truly absorbed. Hmm? So, prior to that, it's, it's fickle, it's going everywhere. It's yeah, but sometimes it's going in the direction of bhakti, and to the extent that it is, and it becomes preoccupied mind and senses with spiritual sense objects and, and with bhakti. And there's a very positive and devotional and bhakti influence that, that carries on. When we speak of the mind being overtaken by bhava and then the cultivation of the bhava deha and so forth, of course, this is this is a kind of sadhya, really. Bhava is considered sadhya, not sadhana. Hmm? It's, a, it's the goal of sadhana. Hmm? So... Having attained that, 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 that that's uh, our ideal, so to speak. Of course, we go on from there to prema, but certainly that which is cultivated in sadhana bhakti is what results in the sadhana, in, or in the sadhya of bhava. So, yeah, take, you take it with you. you were and also, excuse me, uh, Gita says it very clearly. Neha bikramanashusti patibhaya vidyate swalapamapi asyadharmasya trayate mahatobhaya. This verse is a verse about bhakti in the second chapter. Hmm? That a little effort in bhakti is efficacious, there's never any loss in it, whereas in the karma mark and the gyan mark, there's loss. Whatever you get in the karma mark, you, you, know, you don't take those things uh, with you. By comparison, yes. Recently, uh, we watched um, a video that you had posted on in your site about meditation, hmm. and um, very, very complicated and difficult process. It was a, uh, it was a uh, very much like a Mayavadi technique of meditation. It was, uh, it was on uh, Swami.com. A little, um, and I don't know what, if it was something you put on or not, but. But, uh, I don't know anything about that channel. But anyway, it was very interesting. It was, it, and along with what you've been talking about today, and what I hear over and over again about my bodies, I see it as almost a mathematical process. They're like the mathematicians. They're so much into um, formula and... Um, and, um, and, and, and um, Mechanical. Mm -hmm. And whereas bhakti seems to be poetry. And they're, they're, they're so different because the mathematicians can be right and wrong and you can learn math to some degree. Mm -hmm. But poetry, you, you cannot really learn to be a good poet. Mm -hmm. um, a little child can be a great poet, with, or, but, a, but, a, but a very advanced uh, pedantic professor can study poetry 
and uh, and comment on it, but not the other poet. Mm-hmm. So how do we become the, the poet? I mean, the Mayavad... Well, it's what you're saying is like, how do you practice love? How do you learn love? And 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 all we can say in that is, yeah, it's kind of a strange idea. How do you learn love? How do you practice? People who have fallen in love know that, well, you know, it's not something I learned. I didn't study it. And, you know, just like, what happened, you know? It came over me like that. Um, so, of course, we could say, it's this hormone firing and that one, and, you know, we could make it happen, I suppose, in some sense, but but that's to, you know, bring it down to the, to the physical level. But otherwise, yeah, how do you learn love? And, and all we can say in that regard is that, well, that it's attractive love. It seems to satisfy people in a way that we long to have it for ourselves. Therefore, you see the movie and they lived happily ever after and you're thinking, huh, you know, I want to... I wish I could have that, you know. And the world's kind of living for that, you know. It's all going to, the sun's going to set and there we are, going to be walking hand in hand and they lived happily ever after kind of a thing. And so, in relation to bhakti, the same thing is true. We find people, we meet sadhus who love Krishna and we find it attractive. And so what we do, we follow what they do. We do the things that they do. Hmm? which we assume are the things that attract Krishna, you know, and and foster, therefore, a relationship with Krishna that constitutes love, and we, in the hopes that the same thing will happen to us. You know, but the interesting thing is it's not so much the things that we do, imitating a sadhu who loves Krishna, that attract Krishna, but the fact that we have liking for the sadhu. Because... (laughs) How how inadequate we are at doing the chanting and other things that the sadhu does. We try those things, but it's more our interest in actually following the sadhu and and in, in our affection for the sadhu and and so forth. The, the Vaishnav that brings Krishna's attention to us. Therefore, sadhu sangha is the catalyst. It said it gives it's the, it's the, it gives birth to bhakti. Hmm? You follow. So it's something like that, and I've given an example, materially speaking. You know, we see people who are in love, and you know, looks attractive, and so forth, and, and so we, we we have a desire for this. So we, if we can see lovers of Krishna, we find it attractive, profound, meaningful, and we're and that desire. Well, that's you know, everything comes from desire, right? Desire fosters action, and there will be a particular type of action, and. And Krishna will reciprocate at some point hmm? in a significant way, and we fall in love with Krishna. So, how can you learn it? Right, and still we're teaching about it. <laughs> and, how, and, how do, and how do we? Because we run into so many people who seem to think that if you're going to make this long journey towards whatever they want to call it, self-realization, it has to be something that involves, and it, in a sense, does involve for them. Uh, so much like the fourth, I think it's the you know the, the, the fourth and fifth chapter, verses of this chapter, the understanding of the non-perceptual feelings and all. How do you, how do we give those persons a chance? Because they're so caught up in the kind of mathematical, formularic way of dealing with it. It's a materialistic, yeah. materialistic, right, a materialistic way of it. They're packing a survival backpack for the journey, and we're just going, you know, without a backpack. 
figure, well, Krishna will take care of us, something like that. Well, you know, it's, what can you say? I mean, people who have a strong sanskar for gyan or some um, neo-gyan idea of uh, enlightenment and so forth are probably the, you know, the hardest uh, hearted people in terms of um, people you would like to share uh, bhakti with. Uh, so it's a, it's a tall task, but, you know, I, I don't think there's any secret formula other than by example, bhakti can be attractive. I mean, it is attractive. Chanting is attractive. Hearing this discussions are attractive. You just have to be a devotee, and there are going to be people that are resistant, and they have a sanskar for gyan, so it's 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 difficult. Hmm? They're more difficult than the people that have a sanskar for karma. Hmm? Yeah. But yeah, here's a nice discussion from the Gita, worth entertaining. The, the way I would say the way in which our teachers of the past have largely sought to answer your query hmm? is to cite the scriptures because in the past they were considered more than they are today with the proliferation of spirituality and from India nuanced in different ways with contemporary thinking and so forth. Much, much more in days gone by, they were the standard of knowledge. And if you could establish yourself on the basis of the scripture, then you, know, you, you had a, 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 a viable following and you could, you know, another person's, in other words, another person's um, faith and, and um, uh, pursuance of the Gyanmarg was also based on scriptural understanding. So there would be these extended commentaries and so forth trying to show the efficacy of bhakti in comparison um, that 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 was the method. Of course, you know the scripture has many lends itself to different interpretations, and some people would hold fast, nonetheless. But you know, you find people like Baladev Bidibushan came from the Madhvas, came to the Godis. It's on the basis of scripture, hmm? uh, a scriptural argument. Sadhu Sangha too. I, 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 you would say obviously, um, but today, you know, it's it's the the grounding on the spiritual path is not so much grounded in, 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 in revelation. A lot of us very much grounded in speculation, um, taking a little bit here and there and making it up as you go along. And, uh, and uh, so, you know, what would have been a remedy in the past? Well, here was the Gita says. I mean, you can still do that to some extent. If someone will give you an ear, the Gita is pointing this out here. You know? And we try to do that in our contemporary talks and so forth and there are very um, I mean you can make a very simple argument that love trumps knowledge love is ultimate knowledge it's, it's pretty easy to make those those arguments of course people will interpret them in their own way and and think that their path has love too but then we give the whole idea of you know not taking is not the full face of giving and so you know, these kind of arguments are best that I've been able to come up with for dealing with those type of um, sung scars for for gyan and a mechanical ascending method of knowing. So, 
All right, we'll stop there. Srimad Bhagavad Gita ki jai. Shishi Gauradamada ki jai. Gaur Bhaktivinda ki jai. Gaur Premanamada.